very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. My sister picked up a man in my cullen this morning and brought him into town. He had walked from Spiddle as far as the bus stop in my cullen. Uh, he wouldn't let, the bus driver in Spiddle wouldn't let him on the bus as he hadn't booked online. And the man was very upset. Ah. Can you ever come back to us, please, with full details and your sister's details on that, if you don't mind? We need to talk to her and see uh, what happened. Um, really and truly, we just need to see what happened in that regard. Now, don't forget, if you do want to get comments into us, even if you want to just give out about something, you can do so. 86 3 and do so straight away uh, today, please, if you don't mind. Again, that number is 86 3 or you can ring Siobhan on 91 77 that's 09177 uh, Quite a good few other calls coming into us too today that we're uh, trying to deal with and we'll try and get to them as well. Now though, the IFA has warned that it's going to ramp up its tractor protest targeting county council meetings right around the country as well. Stephen Canavan is the Galway IFA chair and he joins me on the line today. Stephen, good morning to you. Morning, Keith. Well. I'm good. Thanks for joining us uh, today. Firstly, by the way, congratulations on the last one. I was concerned about traffic, but you managed it very well, and oh. you delayed it until such time as the key people got out of town. Yeah, we seem to have got a spot on, didn't we? You got a better than spot on, so you did. You, you, you did very well. So when you say ramp yeah. them up for, com- so uh, that's me putting my hands up and saying I'm sorry right. for, for, for attacking you. But um, when when it comes to county council meetings and otherwise. How, how is that going to pan out, Stephen? Well, look at look at. Um, first of all, I suppose uh, every every county has has the freedom to to do it whatever way they want, and we just haven't we haven't sat down and go yet now and and just figured out exactly how we intend to approach it. Um, the county councils, I suppose, look at the the, the elections are around the corner. Do you know? Yeah. And and so it, it it's it's it seems an obvious one to target. Um, the councils and the councillors, you know, a lot of them are going to have their hat in the ring for general elections down the road. They're an extension of the political parties and the government, and and it's just another way, perhaps, of of getting our message across. But At I mean, least that's the thinking. Yeah, and or, or would you, what, I know the IFA, and I know going back to Joe Healy's days and all that. Maybe he should, um, but would you not run somebody? And I know it's the IFA's decision not to run candidates, but why not? And be at, be at the table then and keep people accountable. No, uh, well, it's, it's, it's the decision has been made and has been come up on several occasions, and that that we are primarily a lobby group, not a political entity, and and that we'll work with the system that's there and lobby on behalf of our members as best we can, and that's the road we have chosen to go. And a democratic decision has been taken; it has been taken several times, been mooted several times, and and that's the conclusion always, you know. And is there is there much point then in lobbying the councillors then because I mean between now the elections they're going to be absolutely snowed under so they are with uh, people looking for um, information and for, and they'll want X, Y and Z done whereas what you're looking for quite simply is you know you nearly need to go to Europe on this one and bring the tractors there as well um, Well nonetheless every one of the political parties have councillors the same the same parties are in Europe so it's going to filter up or down the road the, the, the line and that's the thinking and and Look at this is just a start, so it is quite it's quite possible that we will target the the MEPs and the, and the, and the candidates for the European elections later down the road. You know. Yeah, but I mean the likes of your former um, president Joe Healy from Galway, 
Mathen Rye. I mean, I mean, would he throw his, ha- his name in the hat at all? I wonder. I said that it was something you'd have to ask Joe, isn't it? Really, you know. Well, I mean, would you like him to as a former president? <sighs> Look, I I would like to have as many uh, um, agricultural uh, orientated candidates or, or, or MEPs in the field are elected as possible. And, and of course, someone like Joe, Joe's caliber, it'd be very welcome, you know. Mm. Um, but it's, that's Joe's decision, you know, really. Yeah, but it's, it's somebody like that that you need that can go to Europe. I mean, uh, we've been there, we know how it operates, we know all about it. I mean, you're talking about 700 MEPs. I mean, it's, 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 it's mm. an awful lot of people. They don't know each other, um, but there's a process. The process is slow, but once you get through the process, it's fair. Well, look, we feel a bit left behind now on the whole lot of the issues in Europe, you know, and, and a lot of the redirection of, of, of cap monies being used for environmental concerns and what yeah. else, like the, 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 that was primarily for agriculture production or food production, and, and, and it's been taken away from that, not alone the cuts to it, like, you know, the 7 billion of a shortfall since England left, plus 25% directly gone to, gone to uh, environmental um, projects and things like that, so... Food production is is becoming an expensive sort of a, um, yeah. an occupation now, and and we're just trying to stress out where we, we stand on it. And look at as as regards um, Europe, there are farmers across Europe as well. Like you know, so the hope would be that there'd, there'd be enough of of, of uh, same minded sort of MEPs that would advocate on our behalf if we put enough pressure on them. And what about That's the thinking, anyways? Have they not come part of the way with the Acres program? Yes, yes, and it's very welcome. But but certainly, on the back of the last protest, the minister engaged meaningfully for once, and came up with with, with a, um, a an upfront payment on the acres. Yeah. Albeit, look, it's not ideal, but but it's a help, and and we need we need more of this. You know, we're we're not being unreasonable at all. Everything we're asking for is 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 what we're either entitled to or what will make common sense. And and. Mm. Well, like it's time for the it's time for the minister and the government and the whole government to pony up and get with the program now. Uh, and the environment is very important. Um, and and I and I see exactly where they're coming from. And we have a duty of care for, to the environment. And we see the the rain that we've had over the last couple of days oh. has been shocking. And you more than anybody else in the farming community, you're out in the middle of all of that. Mm. But then when I look at other aspects of the world and you see what's going on in China and you see what's going on in India and you see what's going on right, you know, the Asia-Pacific area, mm. what, what, why penalise a small little island like Ireland um, and the farming community within it and insist that we have electric cars by 2030, which some of us will never be able to afford, never mind that. Um, but why penalise mm. us as a small little island when, when everything that's going on in the rest of the world... We're as disillusioned as you are, Keith. We find it mind-boggling. We're doing our absolute damnedest to, to meet all the uh, uh, environmental targets. We're doing our damnedest to improve every single day we get up. And yet it appears it's not enough. It's, we, 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 we feel like we're a convenient sort of an excuse with, with all the uh, environmental issues. And that's the feeling. And science by, look, there's no big rush of younger people or different people to take up the, 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 to work in the sector or come into farming. There's not like there's queues of people looking to at it. Like I, I said you know? this, I said this recently when we were talking about farming to somebody else. There, I mean, the non-farming community in this country don't understand the farming community, and they think that because you've got fancy tractors 
and you've got loads of land and everything that you're very wealthy and you shouldn't be getting the handouts that you're getting. But what they don't realise is that everything that you have, those fancy tractors and otherwise, have to be paid for. That's right, and they're an essential part of our business. Do you know? Um, like, you, you can't... You, one, the, the, the days of, of poor quality machinery and that, like, because there's... One time there was manpower around farms to do a lot of that heavy lifting. That's not there anymore. Like, people are coming off from work, they need a good tractor, and they, they need to get their work done as mm-hmm. quickly as they can. They can't be out all night, like, you know. Most of them spend three or four hours after work. They can't be there all night, like, there's more to life than that. Um, the tractors have to be, they're an expensive toy now, that's what they are. But they're not, they're not a toy. I mean, if they make life easier for you, they're not a toy, but they're expensive. Well, no, I know. Yeah, but they're, they're like, you know, in a lot of cases, they're parked up most of the day and they're only going to come to life in the evening time, you know, and it's, 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 yeah. it's just an unfortunate part of the business now. So, um, so when when do you reckon, Stephen Canavan, Galway IFA Chair, that you'll be uh, pulling up in Prospect Hill with the, with the new toys? Um, look, at it, it is not set in stone how we're going to approach this. Um, I, we get that, that that Prospect Hill is a difficult one to move any sort of a, a tractor process that, look, I'm going to discuss it with my county officers and we'll come to a conclusion. I'd like to sit down and talk with the councillors and, and as long as they engage meaningfully, we'll try and keep disruption to a minimum. Um, but look at but maybe the, the ins and outs of it are not just finalised now. But maybe, Stephen, and again, we're here to help if we can help, but maybe between now and the local elections that there should be a meeting and all the, all potential candidates and otherwise are brought into a room and they're told the X, Y, Z of what needs to be done for the farming mm-hmm. community and have that global debate with them because I would say some of the councillors, both city and county councillors, really don't understand farming and that's fine because they're not farmers. Uh, that, 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 that has happened before every election, you know, come closer to election time and I have no doubt that will be happening again come closer to election time. I think you but need to mark their card not- for them. That'll be all done. I can assure you of that. Like, they're talking about the daily June for an election. Certainly, close to the date, we, we will certainly sit down with every candidate, or at least invite them mm-hmm. uh, to, a, to, to a, a forum to speak about the, the whole lot of things. And the same will go well, with MEP, the candidates for Europe also now. Absolutely. Why leave it, though, to then? I mean, if they don't have their policies together, if they're going for election, uh, be it for the local elections, be it for the council elections, be it for the uh, European elections and or other, and October for the general election, so if they don't have their strategy and policy in place now, they might as well throw their hat at it. Yeah, I, I, I understand. And, don't and leave it to the last minute. We are constantly um, sending out our proposals on elections and on, on, on different issues. So they should be well informed. If they're not, they should be, and that's their job. But whenever we decide to have the protest in, 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 in Galway, uh, a, a delegation from the IFA, no doubt, will meet with the, the councillors. I will be available to meet with them on that day. And we, if they're, not, if they're unsure about anything, I can assure you we will make, them, we will make our point quite strongly. All right, Stephen, keep in contact with us. Keep us uh, up to date on that. Stephen Canavan joining us there. And, and Connor said, sadly, they will promise everything until they get in and then they will deliver nothing, the scholar said. Uh, Keith, people are getting sick and tired of farmers moaning. They're on every day whinging. They are worse than babies crying. If you drive from Galway to Sligo, you'll see there's not one field ploughed. No one is growing vegetables, etc. I'm a small farmer, so I know all about this. Well, you mustn't be a small farmer, to be quite honest, if you're saying that you're sick and tired of farmers moaning. They're on every day whinging. They're worse than babies crying. If you drive from Galway to Sligo, you'll see there's not one field ploughed. No one is growing vegetables, etc. I'm a small farmer, so I know about it. 
So you're actually picking on your own people? That's brave, yeah. Must say, fair play. Uh, other calls coming into us uh, today. This uh, call is that I'm in care case and I will be voting no on the referendum. The wording strive tells me nothing will change. It's impossible to get help for an adult child uh, with disabilities. I'm caring 22 years now and get no respite at all, this caller said. And uh, I'm also 67 years of age and worry what's going to happen to my son if he can't live independently. I'm struggling to get any help like many more carers in my position. And it's very sad, this caller said. My heart goes out to you. And I, I really think strive is the incorrect word for it. But look, strive is what we're voting on. And strive is what they've put in. I mean, I think they made a dog's dinner of the wording, to be quite honest. Uh, an absolute dog's dinner of it. But look, they were trying to rush it through so they would get it through. Uh, with the local elections and perhaps they didn't think it through at the time but let's figure that one out too uh, if you want to get in contact with us feel free to do so 0917700077 Dave O'Connell joins us with a very full Connacht Tribune I have to say today and um, he joins me on the line uh, Dave morning to you morning Keith how are you I'm great it's not, it's not raining in Lisbon this morning is it Oh, well, I mean, if you if you if you kind of lean out a small bit, you'll see it's not raining in Lisbon, and it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, it's very warm today, and I know we're not here to do the weather forecast, but it's actually it's very warm out for this time of the year. So well, uh, you better, all, all is good. You might do much better than Met Aaron because I had a gentleman on to me yesterday, and he was roaring at me saying they must just stick their finger out the window in Glasnevin because they got it so wrong this week. Anyway, they're all before the Oireachtas Committee in RT. That's why they haven't time to be doing the weather forecast at the minute. Good luck with that one. Uh, let's not just go there, right? Now it's a big weekend though for Galway United, your lead story indeed, as we did ourselves last uh, week was uh, the continuing upsurge in crime and that's nothing to do with Galway United but um, you're looking at the whole crime side of things as well on the front page Dave. Yeah, I, I look, I was I listened in astonishment to uh, Pete Roach talking to yourself last Friday morning about, and, and I think everybody, most people have heard of it if they haven't, about witnessing a burglary across from his own home. But uh, the, the matter and many others came up for loads of discussion at Monday's meeting of the Joint Policing Committee. And the reality is this was a, a far from isolated incident, so much so that Councillor Andrew Reddington in Headford warned there was a, a danger of householders taking the law into their own hands if they feel under threat. And obviously nobody wants to see that. But again, Stephen Corrigan is chronicling a spate of break-ins, particularly across the east of the county. And uh, you don't need to be a detective and uh, to know why that area is being hit. And you made the point last week because it's a good road out of there all the way back to Dublin and they'll be back home in time for their tea. Yeah, now it is that uh, big weekend for Galway United. So it is, it turns out, as major plans indeed off the pitch as well as on the pitch. So there is. Yeah, uh, first match of the Premier League season uh, tomorrow evening in Eamon DC Park against uh, St. Patrick's Athletic and it, that looks like uh, a complete sellout and I'm looking forward to being there. Uh, but as you say, big plans off the pitch as well uh, because a second application is about to be lodged for the uh, multi-million euro development of uh, a fantastic sporting complex if it happens down at Mountain South uh, outside Athen right now. People will know of Mountain South because uh, it was previously earmarked as the, the hurling centre of excellence but this one is a joint plan with Connacht Hockey um, and uh, it's in the ownership of the Comer Brothers so now that the GAA as we know from last week is focusing perhaps on uh, the airport with their pitch for there and this amended plan for Mountain South uh, we will really have sporting excellence on all fronts before we know it but that story is on page four today. Absolutely and the photographs that go with it um, really look spectacular with it as well Dave so yeah. congratulations on that. You've also been chatting to a 13 year old who's about to star in a major new TV series. This is a lovely story. 
It's a lovely story. And uh, remember where you, you heard her first, Kiri Flaherty. She's from Knocknacarra. She's a first year at Salerno, but she's also uh, a rising star of the acting world. And this isn't her first big role, but she's set for a starring role. It's a new TV series on Apple TV. It's called The Completely Made Up Adventures of Dick Turpin. Uh, she's starring with Hugh Bonneville, who people will know from Downton Abbey, and Noel Fielding, who people will know both from comedy and as one of the presenters of the Great British Bake Off, but an actor in his own right as well. And she's talking about what it's like uh, to film at the famous Pinewood Studios in London and on location in Epping Forest uh, and undoubtedly this is just the start of a big career in showbiz so watch out for an Apple TV and loads on that in today's paper. Absolutely and our granny in Borough will be awfully proud of her so she will absolutely. Come here um, plenty on the college's front in sport as well. Yeah, it's that time of the year. Uh, Dunmore Community School uh, won the Connacht Post Primary Senior B final. Uh, no joy, I'm afraid, for Colosh de Balliaclar in the A final. They lost out narrowly to St. Gerard's of Castlebar. But a great win for St. Cowan's of uh, Castle Blakeney in the D final which went, went, that went to penalties. So plenty of coverage in all of those. And also on sport, but even though it's in the news pages, uh, Ballina Slow GA had their big night honouring players of the past and the present. And I have to say it was lovely to see the great photograph of their Jubilee team of 1973 with some uh, very familiar faces there. That was a team that lost out to Castle Gary in a county senior final replay. Uh, but they're all looking well. And as you'll see from the story, I think all but two of them uh, were there, which is, is a phenomenal achievement in his own right. So that's in there as well. And what else have you got? Because you've got a full Connacht Tribune for us today. There is uh, loads in it, Keith. I think a fascinating interview with country star Sandy Kelly. She's releasing her new memoirs and it's stories really from going back to a childhood on the road with the family fit-up show. You need to be of a generation to know what that is. But her grandfather, Dusky Dan, uh, ran the family fit-up show and all the way from that to her great friendship uh, with uh, Johnny Cash. Uh, also on the music front, a piece from uh, piece on Neve Regan, her first single from her eagerly anticipated uh, second album is out now, uh, St. Patrick's Day on the horizon uh, and there are details on the city's uh, big parade uh, and two pages as well another man who featured with you uh, last week Parik O'Rourke um, and a fascinating new book on the disappeared uh, which has plenty from a Galway perspective I know people tend to think the disappeared is to do with the northern troubles and there alone but having heard him talking with you and also as you'll see from the excerpt in the paper today there's plenty from a Galway perspective on this looking back over the last hundred uh, or more years and you have loads of people indeed celebrate their birthdays, milestone birthdays. You have a lovely photograph there. So you have uh, Bridget McMahon. You have a lovely photograph there of uh, Noni Cosgrove from Circular Road and many others as well. Well done to you. Two, two fine 100-year-old uh, uh, ladies looking uh, hale and hearty, I have to say. There used to be a time, when, certainly when I started doing this, Keith, that it would be so rare that somebody saw their 100th birthday that I'd say it would invariably be on the front page, and that might be once a year. And it's just fantastic to see that people uh, are, are living so long and so well, because that's the, the more important thing on this. So, yeah, uh, plenty. Of Michael D will be broke before he leaves office with all the <laughs> checks that he has to write. Well, I think it's great. Uh, looking at Noni Cosgrove, she's a wonderful lady, so she is. Yeah. And, and there yeah. she is, and she babysitting her 10 week old, uh, great great granddaughter indeed, uh, in yeah. Glenlow Abbey. It's just it's a lovely story and a lovely photograph for the family to have into the future. Dave, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you tomorrow thanks, with Dave. the City Tribune and enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Quick commercial break, we're back after these. <laughs> 
Good morning to you now. Somebody said, Keith, with regards to the referendum, the word insure should have been used instead of the word strive. Not using the wording insure tells me that there is no commitment at all. It's a farce as far as I am concerned. Now, Ash Dieback, ah, yeah, go again. Ash Dieback is a major problem, so it is right across the country. But in the west of Ireland here, we're having a, a seriously bad time of it when it comes to Ash Dieback. But the independent councillor, Geraldine Dunne, who has called on the central government uh, to put in place a dedicated Ash Dieback task force with the necessary mechanical plant to tackle and remove affected roadside trees seriously impas- impacted uh, with Ash Dieback. Uh, Geraldine, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us uh, today in the programme. Um, good morning. Good morning, uh, Keith. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us uh, today. I don't. Uh, it's it's a very it's a very interesting conversation we're going to have here because I think a huge amount of people don't even know what ash dieback is. This is a, a disease that hits ash trees and that can indeed render them absolutely useless. Yeah, that's correct. And um, if you drive around the country and indeed the county. As one gentleman put it uh, very clearly, he said there's memorials of ash all over the country. All you have to do is um, drive anywhere and you'll see the huge big trees that are there. There's no leaf on them. They're um, they're just crumbling before our eyes. Mm. And a memorial is the actual, I, I thought it was very clear of what you see. You can't miss them. And the plantations are the same. Um, you know, this is 12 years going on, Keith, for, um, we'll say, in, in, you've got farmers that have plantations, 12 years going on, looking at the trees crumbling before their eyes, nothing basically really happening. Then my huge concern is the ones that are roadside that um, have a, a major risk to human life. And not, you know, we'll say for the pedestrians and drivers and all that, but also for the general operatives of the council and for firefighters, God forbid, if they had to come out and deal with fallen trees as a result of the many storms that we've had, they do not see the hazard that is there. You know, you're talking about um, they mightn't be, um, they may be ill-equipped, they may not be used to change. They may only have basic chainsaw training. This is a highly skilled job to dismantle a tree that might be 30 or 40, 50 years of growth. In and, it, yeah. and to do it safely, it, it, to do it safely is very important. To do important. it safely, yeah. So Can, you have to dismantle those trees from the top down. You just can't go out and fell those trees because they're, they're, um, they're really like, on the inside, they are like putty they just they just break away they crumble for a better word and you know what you look you look at a tree and you'll say oh yeah I might fell that but it might look okay to fell but it's when if you go to fell it from the bottom a branch from the top could just suddenly snap that's where the risk is so great and I actually last December I got the opportunity to visit um, West Sussex County Council who are to the front there with Euroforest um, in the dismantling of these enormous trees mm-hmm. roadside. And it, it's not for the faint-hearted. I mean, there was a traffic uh, management plan in place. You're, they're all suited and booted. Um, it's taken down mechanically. You know, you don't just go in with a chainsaw and, and start um, taking... No. This is this is taken down. It's it's a grab. You know, there is operations of it. I have seen similar since I came, since I, um, came back, but, let's say, can- from there to see it. But it's, it's a huge task. And all I was asking for was, with the motion at Galway County Council, was that the um, 
that Galway County Council would seek funding from central government because this is 12 years in the making. Okay. This Can wasn't something that was sprung upon us like COVID. They know that this is 12 years coming down the tracks. They could have easily ring-fenced money to deal with this. Can I ask you, the timber that would come out of these trees, um, is it any mm-hmm. use if it's dried over a couple of years for firewood? Because um, I suppose where I'm coming well, from on this is... unfortunately, the plantations, a lot of it now is, is, is useless. Had they harvested going back a number of years ago, it would have been some value. Um, the timber now, it, it's hit and miss. A lot of it is just, it's just crumbling. Um, is it of any commercial value? I would say no, because the cost not, of taking it down will offset against, you know what I mean, what you were going to yeah, get. But, so but you're really e- going to pay somebody to come and take it down. But not even not even going the commercial route at all. And but it was cut down, and it was yeah. if communities came together and they were taken down, and it was put into blocks and it was put into a yard, and then it could be distributed to the to some people that may when when it's dry. By the way, I'm talking about a few years down the road. When it's dry. Well, the, the, what the government, I, I know from reading some of the literature on it, they were saying that really because of it's a disease, it had to be burned on site, but, um, you know, rather than spread it further. So I honestly don't know how, how they, they've had 12 years to think about this. There's people in the Department of Agriculture and Central Government with very big titles, with very yeah. big titles, Keith, that are well able to come up with something um, very creative and they have 12 years and we seem to be no further on. You see, the 1993 Roads Act put the responsibility of roadside trees and hedges back on the landowner, property owner, household, whatever you want. You know, they're not all farmers. Mm-hmm. Like I have people contacting me to say that um, we have huge monstrosity of trees that are, there's wires going through them. Remember, there's thir- over 30 years of growth since they put the responsibility back on landowners, homeowners. That's 30 years of growth of trees. So you drive around the country and you see the huge trees. The hedges are cut. Um, it's very fragmented, in my opinion, the responsibility of the 1993 Roads Act. Because here's the thing, Keith, the council will cut the verges but yet Keith um, Public and Mary and Joe Public is supposed to cut the, the keep maintain their trees and their hedges. But the verges, so if I had a call from a lady, um, a senior citizen, she said, I saw the council out cutting the verges. Well, they could do me hedges. And I said, oh, no, sorry about that. You're responsible for your hedges. The reality is that Mary and Joe Public, they don't know a verge from a hedge. No, you, no. You, they see the council out and they think, oh, they're out doing the hedges. They're not going to be splitting hairs over um, a verge and a hedge. So this is what I've been asking for is funding and to come together. Now, the council came back and they have acknowledged that um, they have acknowledged that, you know, the expertise of such a team lies in external agencies, such as we call it, like the one I went over to see Eurofars. And there's other um, agencies around that would be highly expertise who have the relevant knowledge and expertise and have recognised qualifications and expertise in in advising on the management of roadside trees. Mm -hmm. But there's no point um, putting together a management guide, which is what came from the Department of Agriculture on roadside trees and no backup or support like, as I've said before, um, a good cut can save a life, a bad cut can take a life. And we have read numerous times of, of um, people going in to take down a tree. That is how serious this is. They've had 12 years to come up with a solution. I said people with very big titles in the department, surely they can come up okay. and help all the councils around the country and take down um, these monstrosities and huge hazards, Keith. So are you saying to me then, because I've um, 
we've uh, three trees in the front garden and uh, they're, they're dead. I have to, they have to come down. But are you saying that if they mm-hmm. came down across the public road outside my house, yeah. that I'm responsible for yeah. them? You're responsible under the 1993 road decks. Wow. The responsibility, God forbid, lies with you. All right. Well, I'd have to get back onto my man to do that. Uh, the trees with ash and dieback, Keith, mm-hmm. are already seasoned. They can be used straight away for firewood. It's a good idea. There's no need to dry them at all, this caller said. And another caller said to us uh, today, I wonder, is our um, imported briquettes and peat uh, bringing any more insects and bugs to add to the ash dieback? And, uh, we, we don't know. I mean, they didn't quarantine the saplings back and whenever that came in back uh, back uh, 12, 13 years ago. And therein lies. It's not of our making. It's not of your making. It's not of the farmer's making or the landowner's making that brought in this disease. This came in when trees weren't quarantined. And I okay. think it's a very simple, like, you know, when you look at it, it's 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 such um, a contradiction. On one hand, you know, as council, we get north of motion monies um, each year to do various little projects around the country like it could be flood alleviation it could be putting a light in you know I've used mine for putting in lights here there and everywhere and various and then we're asked by the council officials to give a certain amount of funding for hedge cutting but here's the thing a lot of people around the country cut their own hedges but then some people think that it's up to the council to cut it so then I have to give money public money to get Uh, the hedges cut that the government are saying we're supposed to be cutting anyway Mm. so it's completely a head wreck really to be honest with you other councils around the country are giving approximately 50 or a kilometre to help the likes of Keith and Mary and Joe public to help get the hedges cut so this, we can't wait any longer because I'll tell you what, the next storm is only around the corner and it is it is very... And you know, God forbid, if a life is taken, then it'll be they'll be reactive rather than proactive, well. what, is, what I've been asking for. That woman, Keith, is is that woman for real, Keith? And um, we're talking about Councillor Geraldine Dunham. Is that woman for real, Keith? Uh, people are too mean to go back their own uh, trees and hedges. Get real on this one. And somebody else is back No, up. I'm not too mean. I actually pay for my own, no, actually, no, at home no, because I'm a farmer. No, I pay for my own, yeah. I'm, no, it's not about being mean. It's no, no, about she's the just saying enormity are, of are mean, taking down do the trees. Now she's not saying you're mean. She's they're wondering you're for real, but uh, but she's saying the people are just not you or are generally just too mean mm. to take them down. Now you can phone a friend. You can go fifty fifty, or you can ask the audience. I don't mind on this mm. one. Hi Keith, ask Geraldine. Is she going to run the next election? Michael Fitzmaurice is looking for candidates. So says John to the program. I'm running as an independent in the Garth Canvar electoral area. So you're not going to join Mr. Fitzmaurice just yet. Uh, wasn't asked, so, but I'm, I'm representing. I'm representing the people of Garth Convert that put their faith in me uh, back in 2019, and I have my Essex on, and I'm I'm ready for a good campaign, and I'm uh, looking forward to representing them again because um, I have to say uh, it's only around the corner. They have, mind you that the government haven't set a date yet on the local election. Sometime in June, we're told, but yeah. um, it would be nice if they came out and actually set a date for. Um, Sure, look at you, you know, just let the people know, you know. You have the assets ready and, and, and others have the uh, sketches ready. So you're ready to, you're ready to go. Uh, Councillor Geraldine Donoghue and Ash uh, Dieback, thank you indeed for joining us uh, today on the programme. Uh, get your comments into us on 86 We're going back indeed to what happened in the Dáil yesterday, not the RTE situation, but to do with VAT rates. <laughs> 
Now, well, uh, just uh, on X this morning, I was looking at the Restaurant Association of Ireland put the following statement. While the result of um, last night's vote in the Oireachtas is disappointing, the Restaurant Association of Ireland and our 3,000 members would like to thank the Regional Independent Group of TDs for bringing forward what was an extremely positive motion. The Regional Independence uh, motion would have reinstated the 9% VAT rate on food uh, led hospitality businesses and introduced a number of other measures that would have helped stem the current tide of restaurants and cafes closures and create a more fundamentally pro-SME environment. Uh, the government's counter motion, which uh, passed with 73 votes to 64, still commits to monitoring the situation and in introducing potential solutions. We intend on continuing to make the case to the government to uh, for the reinstatement of the 9% VAT rate. It's the only measure that will ensure a sustainable future for small independent restaurants and cafes right across the country. It's Chief Executive of the Restaurant Association of Ireland, Adrian Cummins, joins me. Adrian, it's it's a pity that it didn't get through. That's correct, um, um, Keith. You know, the, we want, first of all, we want to thank the Regional Independence for bringing forward the motion uh, in the Dáil. And it was debated throughout the day yesterday. And um, then it was voted on last night. But to be fair, uh, the the motion itself uh, by the regional independents ticked all the boxes that we were looking for in terms of uh, restoration of nine percent, but also a support package for all SMEs, be it small businesses in not just in hospitality but across retail and other sectors that are being affected at the moment. So uh, unfortunately, the government um, put in a counter motion and then. They won that, which is basically just to monitor the situation. But my message here is how many more businesses have to close until the government decide to uh, act and do something in terms of supporting uh, our sector, which has been greatly hit over the last number of, of, of weeks. We've seen nearly over 320 businesses now in our industry close uh, in the last uh, seven months, uh, and that is closing on a daily basis. So we all know, or local, we all know, in every county, and God is no different. These fine businesses that were solid, good working businesses last September, since the VAT rate gone up, uh, went up, they're now uh, unviable and they're closing their doors. And uh, it's very sad to see and distressing for those business owners. Uh, but I think the government uh, just don't understand the magnitude and the what is happening in, at the moment in, in our in our sector in our sector. And I mean, I, I take it Michael Fitzmaurice is no longer part of that independent group, but I mean, the likes of Marion Harkin and others, Matthew McGrath, Michael McDermott, Michael Healy, Ray, Danny Healy, Ray, Carl Nolan, Michael Collins, um, and, and others. There's, there's still a good, strong gang of them there. But from reading the statement this morning uh, on this one, Adrian, it looks like the government are monitoring from a distance, but they know what needs to be done. Yeah, well, if they are monitoring from a distance, we need action and we need it soon because... You know, if you're a business owner and you're going to close your doors this week, that's, you know, monitoring doesn't cut it with them. Um, and we're now going into, you know, we're in the middle of middle of uh, February uh, and the closures are still happening. Um, the government has said they're going to announce this 200, well, they announced this 250 million euro fund uh, for for all, all SMEs, which is effectively 146,000 businesses will get uh, a, a grant in in this month, uh, so you know and that'll only equate to a maximum about an average of about two two thousand per business. Yeah. So that doesn't cut it for our for our, our industry. And I know the last time we spoke, we were talking about the warehousing going back to the COVID side of things. There seems to be movement on that. That they're, 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 the plan there is to expand 
uh, extend the time frame in question on that. Is that is that happening, and is that going to ease some of the pressures on some of your members? Well, it'll ease the pressure on those businesses that have warehouse tax. And to be fair, just to put it into numbers, um, there's about 280 million euros worth in hospitality alone. The serious cases were about 400 businesses, uh, sorry, 400 restaurants, about 400 more pubs on top of that, where they owe 50,000 or more. Now, that's a big amount of money to pay, pay back on top of your current tax bill for every two months as well. So... To be fair to the government, they did move on us. They moved, and, and based on our ask, we asked for a zero percent interest mm-hmm. rate. We got we got that, and we got a longer period of repayment, and we got that as well. So, you know, they, they did that for us. But the, the the elephant in the room is the viability of the of these businesses, and the viability is down to that nine percent VAT rate going up to 13 and a half because on a million euro turnover um, hospitality business or food led business they're facing 100,000 extra in costs this year between wage inflation of about 38,000 that's about 10% um, um, pay, pay rise and about and another 37 to 38,000 on VAT alone so the big the big chunk of that for the year is on, is on the VAT which is a government policy and we're not talking about you know trying to reduce wages or anything anything to that but we're, we are asking the government in terms of that VAT rate to be restored yeah. as soon as possible and that's where the motion was to be done um, before Easter but we now have to wait and see and the, as the government said we're monitoring things but I think there's going to be a lot more closures over the next number of weeks and months ahead. But well, Adrian what you have to also take into account if you've hit a few um Issues on the head there, so you have. But I mean, also the cost of food for your members has gone up as well. The cost of meat and food and veg and and it, and, and forget employment for a minute. Employment is critical. So you can't you can't yeah. without a chef you, and staff you can't produce food. Uh, but it's, it's it's critical that it's looked after. And sooner rather than later, it's, there's no point in looking back in three years' time and saying, "God, 2024, we should have done something in February of that year." Now is the time to do it. Absolutely. No, like, you know, we can't do anything on the price of food, but it is a big component in terms of our, our industry. On, on, on wage inflation, it's all down to shortage of housing in the country. Severe lack of housing means people have to pay more rent to rent accommodation, and that means that puts pressure on wages. And I think any business owner will say their most valuable asset is their staff so the retention of those staff is very very important for those businesses and that's why they're paying the extra few few percent to maintain and retain their staff um and then on top of that then you have the other issues around energy which hasn't gone away um and then no. you also no. have in terms of this pension auto enrollment coming down the tracks that we don't even know when it's going to happen we've been told it's going to happen at the end of this year it's another cost on these businesses yeah. and what what's what stage do, does does the government realize that not just in the hospitality but every other small business is suffering at the moment in terms of all these extra costs adrian just i got a mess on my headphones here from um, production is it true that restaurant prices have gone up by 40 percent I'm not. I'm not. I don't eat out regularly, so I don't know. Absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Restaurant, restaurant, restaurant prices haven't gone up by forty percent. Um, that'd be that'd be, that'd be like a a steak that might be say a steak that could be thirty euros going up to seventy euros. No, sorry, going up to about sixty euros. Forty yeah. percent. Yeah. It's not. Um, you buy half a count for that, so you would. 
I mean, it's, sorry, yeah, maybe it's just coming from some of the younger people indeed who can afford to eat out at this stage, wondering if it's gone up by 40. You, you and I will have to keep it with that special yeah. day, so we will. Listen, lovely to talk to you. Excuse me. Uh, lovely to talk to you and there's a, a lot more to be talked about but let's uh, let's keep it lit but thank you indeed for joining us uh, today somebody is actually just texting in too here um, about potholes I'm, I managed to hit three potholes coming into work this morning I managed to hit one not too far from our own house bang uh, I managed to hit one in Westside uh, I came in through Westside this morning uh, and I won't come again because between flooding and otherwise it's, it's good and coming over the flipping bridge lads how could there be a pothole on the Quincentennial Bridge, just as you're coming over the bridge on the left-hand side, in the left-hand lane uh, this morning. Boom. Um, tire goes into it and you get a fright of your life. Um, so could someone tell me, what do you do to report potholes? I'm going back 40 years now at this stage, talking about potholes maybe. Uh, I thought they were a thing in the past, but certainly uh, they are. there's quite a few of them out today. So if you know where they are, you've come across one will you text us and what we can do is copy and paste and send it down uh, to either Galway City Council or Galway County Council from there and uh, Keith as a mature student with a, uh, with young student I, I found that younger students never challenge lecturers and I want you to say that again the scholar said another caller said I'd love if you mentioned along Circular Road and Taylor's Hill there are massive trees uh, during the storms they are very terrifying they should be taken down from there the scholar said who's going to pay for them that's the problem. Where does the money come from to uh, to pay for them? Now let's head towards the Galway BFM uh, news desk for the 11 o'clock news and yet to come on the programme. Uh, again, it's, it's seriously busy next hour, so we have. Uh, we're going to Culture Corner and we're looking at uh, free meditation and yoga in Galway and uh, we'll be looking at that. We'll also be going to Hours to Protect and Conor Coyne from Kylemore Abbey joins John on that and also we'll have music mornings from Chris Cresham indeed. Uh, West Warren singer releasing uh, a new single uh, back to you at midnight and um, back to you he's releasing it at midnight so we'll have all that more between now and midday